millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. School of Education with 100% online master's or specialist degrees in fields like teaching, leadership, higher education, and more. More information at rebelteacher.com. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, February 5th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, hear why an LGBT rights group is pushing for more protections in Mississippi. Plus, the Public Safety Commissioner says without more funds, the security provided by the Highway Patrol could be affected. And after a Mississippi StoryCorps, find out how a group of dental students and their professors are working to improve Mississippi one mouth at a time. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A human rights group is urging Mississippi legislators to include the LGBT community in the state's hate crimes law. Rob Hill is with the Human Rights Campaign of Mississippi. He says the legislation could also make crimes targeting the disabled hate crimes. Hill says the current state law includes gender and ethnicity. He spoke with our Desiree Frazier yesterday at the Capitol. Yeah, we have a hate crimes bill, but it's uh, it does not include uh, disability, sexual, sexual orientation, and gender identity uh, like the federal law has. In 2009, our uh, we our uh, federal hate crimes law was updated to include those three categories uh, with uh, with bipartisan support and signed into law by uh, President Obama. We're merely asking our state legislature to uh, bring our state law up to the federal standard. So what does this law do? What does it say that is going to change what's already there? Right now, if somebody is targeted because of their their, their religion or their race, there are enhanced penalties uh, that, that can put it, be in place, uh, and they can be prosecuted as a hate crime uh, in Mississippi, such as uh, when James Anderson murder was prosecuted here in Mississippi several years ago as a hate crime, a state hate crime and a federal hate crime. Uh, and so this would allow uh, individuals um, who are uh, the LGBT community or people with disabilities, if they are targeted, um, then it can be prosecuted as a state hate crime law without having to wait for the federal government to uh, to, to get involved and, and prosecute. You said you are seeing bipartisan support? Yeah, absolutely. We have bipartisan sponsors of this legislation, and we uh, are polling the uh, the members of both houses and uh, both chambers, and, and we are we have Republicans and Democrats. Last year, oh, in support. Last year, in fact, this bill uh, was uh, was brought up in Judiciary A Committee on the Senate side, and we had uh, 10 Republicans, 5 Democrats vote to pull it out of committee. Um, and the only reason it uh, it did not make it to the floor is because it was never referred, and we ran up against that deadline. Uh, this year, we feel like and know that we have the same kind of support on the Senate side, and we're finding on the House side as well. You said it's in Judiciary B? Judiciary B on the uh, on the uh, House side, and it's Judiciary A on the Senate side and corrections. So it's got to kind of 
Well, it has to come out. The legislature will convene today, this afternoon at 4 o'clock, and, and they'll have committee meetings this afternoon, and they'll have committee meetings throughout the day. Um, any of these committees are subject to call by the chair at any point throughout the day. So we have uh, we, we definitely have uh, have time to get these out by, by deadline. Why should people care about this legislation? I, I think everybody, well, one thing we know is from polling data that we're releasing today is that uh, almost 60% of Mississippians care about this. Uh, you know, we may disagree on some things uh, as it relates to, uh, you know, uh, issue, issues of our, our identity or sexual orientation and things like that. But what we, we find is the majority of Mississippians overwhelmingly agree that nobody should be targeted or nobody should be hurt or harmed simply because of who they are and who they love. But you don't know where this is going yet. I don't know um, because it's certainly up to leadership uh, how these uh, what happens with these bills. But but I think that if they when this data polling data that uh, we that that's being released, um, I know that they're hearing from members. Um, Hopefully, this uh, event today with with these this uh, cross section of, of folks. Um, speaking uh, in support of this will have an influence on on leadership and make sure that uh, these bills do uh, come out for a vote tomorrow. And lastly, your thought if it doesn't come out of committees? I'm not even thinking about that, but you look, you know, in in my work, uh, you have to get up every day ready to to work and uh, uh, changing hearts and minds across the state. The good news is on this issue, I think most people, hearts and minds are with this on uh, on these issues, but if it doesn't come out, uh, we'll continue to work. We'll continue to go where people are like we've been doing over the last year and sitting down with them in coffee shops in the districts where they where they uh, where they serve uh, and, or represent and and, and and talking to them about uh, about this and finding things we can agree on throughout the state. Rob Hill of the Human Rights Campaign of Mississippi. Republican Senator Briggs Hobson of Vicksburg is chairman of the Senate Judiciary A Committee. He tells our Desiree Frazier passing bills is a wait and see game, but there seems to be support for the hate crimes bill. I think it's got a good chance of coming out of committee. I think some people are working on vote counts within the Senate and the House to make sure that there are enough votes to get it passed. Uh, I'm not a believer in taking bills out that I know aren't going to get passed. We've got I've got nearly 190 bills in my committee, and I'm trying to see if the bills that I'm going to be able to get out of committee are ones that can get passed on the floor and hopefully in the other chamber, too. So that's always a consideration of mine to make sure that there are the votes there to get the bills passed. For this one, because you're talking about the disabled and the LGBT community, do you anticipate any pushback from that? Uh, I don't know. You know, you always have to be prepared for some people, but I'm not foreseeing any, and I haven't heard of any, so... uh, Right now, uh, I'm just, you know, the hope and the plan is that we'll run it out of committee tomorrow. Um, But we just have to wait and see how things go, too. Senator Briggs Hobson with MPB's Desiree Frazier. Bills have until today to come out of their committee of origin. That is, Senate bills have to come out of their Senate committees. Vice versa, House bills have to come out of their House committees. In other news, the state's top public public safety official is spending time at the Capitol asking lawmakers to shore up his agency's budget. Public Safety Commissioner Marshall Fisher says he needs more money for another trooper school. He says about a quarter of the state's highway patrol officers could retire, leaving a big hole to fill. But Fisher tells our Desiree Frazier the financial shortfall can be seen by Mississippians in more personal ways, like long lines to renew a driver's license. We have ask for some increase in funding for our driver services in order to uh, give some raises to the driver services examiners. We've got, as you well know, there's been a, a lot of clamor and one of the biggest complaints we have is about our driver services division because of the long lines for people coming to renew driver's license, get new driver's license, 
get the gun permits. We have sex offender registry issues there. Quite frankly, we've got right at 50 vacant uh, driver's examiner's positions. In order to better serve the public, we need more people. We're understaffed. Staffing's tied to funding. And part of the reason we're understaffed is they only pay twenty-one dollars to $22,000 a year to do these jobs, and that's why we can't fill the positions. People are waiting in long lines. They're saying three, four hours they have to take a day off to renew their license. That's exactly right, and some of them have to come back the next day. And then there are times, and you've probably had this happen before, I know I have, where you go to get something done and you don't have all the proper documents that you need. One of the things that causes the slow lines is as a, after 9-11, they came up with a real ID. If you'll recall, some of the hijackers on 9-11 were able to obtain driver's licenses from places like Kentucky and other places where just, and I'm not picking on Kentucky, but because of the real ID requirements, there are a lot more, if you will, boxes to check and things that have to be done, and those are federal requirements that come down on us. Again, I'm not making excuses. I'm just giving you real world. It takes longer. The other, we're asking uh, for funding for a new trooper school. We've been able to fund the last two schools out of existing funds with authority from the legislature to spend those funds, but we're not going to be able to afford to do that this next time, so we're asking for, asking for another trooper school. One of the reasons for that is we've got 160 of our troopers who are eligible for uh, retirement this year. Right now, as we speak, we have roughly 500 and between 580 and 590 troopers today. So if we lost all 160 of those, you can imagine what the problem, there'd be a vacuum in leadership and all those sort of things. We don't think we'll lose 160, but we don't know. We're already having people starting to retire. Troopers' retirement system is a little, is diff- little different than the other state employees, and they, they have to use their last four-year average so they reach a certain point, they've got X amount of years on the job, they're really, some of them will be losing money to stay. So, you know, some people are going to stay because they, they just want to stay, they don't want to do anything else, uh, and we'll have a few of those, but few and far between. Is that a danger, um, not having enough troopers? Absolutely it's a danger because, you know, the public knows if you're driving on the street, on the highways, and you see uh, a marked unit on the side of the road, it's going to make you slow down. It's going to cause you to slow down, whether they're turning on the blue lights and following you or not. It's, it is a deterrent. There's also, as you know, Mississippi is a rural state, and a lot of times there's traffic accidents and there's maybe not enough troopers in one area. A trooper might have to drive from two counties away to get to the scene of an accident and figure out how problematic that is. Unfortunately, we seem to have a lot of people who continue to want to drive impaired, another reason to have more troopers on the highway. If we had a natural disaster, such as Katrina uh, or a tornado going through an area, you know what kind of havoc that can cause. During Katrina, I believe we had right at 600, 600 troopers, somewhere in that area, 640, I believe, as I recall. Right now we're down, I told you, between 580 and 590 troopers, so we're below what we were then if we were to have some natural disaster. And they come into play then, too, as do all the other first responder agencies. Well, if you had a trooper school, and you may have said this, ideally, when would you like to have it? If we could get authorized to have it, we could probably start it late summer, early fall. We have a school going on right now that is due to graduate in May. How many? 
There are currently 51. We started out with, I believe, 85, 86. We're down to 51 now. They are in week nine, I believe. How many weeks is it? It's 22 weeks. They'll graduate in May. And so it's five months long. They started the first part of December, and they'll graduate in May. Public Safety Commissioner Marshall Fisher with MPB's Desiree Frazier. Coming up, find out how a group of dental students and their professors are working to improve Mississippi one mouth at a time. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. It's 2019. Are civil rights still an issue we need to discuss? That's the question we'll put to Professor Michelle Alexandre on In Legal Terms. We want you to call and email us your questions. Legal terms at mpbonline.org or call during the show today at 10 a.m. on MPB Think Radio and on the internet at mpbonline.org. Every couple has their How Did You Two Meet story. In this week's Mississippi Stop on the StoryCorps mobile tour, we hear how Chris and Sarah Keppel met how they navigated a long-distance relationship, and how they embraced old traditions in modern ways on their way to the altar. What did you think the first time you saw me? I thought, because we were in the field, we're archaeologists, and we were in the field on a prehistoric site, and it was filthy, muddy, dirty work, and I thought, if she looks that hot, (laughs) covered in mud, then I bet she cleans up pretty nice, and then I wanted to ask you out. Well, I'm glad you did. We didn't date that long before I left and went out to Utah for a year from Southern Illinois. So what did you think when I told you that I had accepted a position with AmeriCorps and that I would be gone? Well, I didn't know what would happen. First of all, one reason I love you is because of your passion for things like AmeriCorps, you know, and and the way we continue to support them. Um, So I supported that. But I also didn't know what would happen because long distance relationships are tough and it wasn't a situation where I could just call you on the phone. You were in a trailer in the mm-hmm. middle of the desert. But we made, we made it work. We did. It was a challenge. And um, I think we both did great things. You took your Ph.D. exams mm-hmm. and did your brown bag. I mean, that's a big deal. You worked really hard that year. And we saw each other, what, like every 8 to 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so we did that. And while I was away, I realized that... I loved you. I mean, I already knew that I loved you, but I realized that even at 22 that you were who I wanted to be with for the rest of my life. And so I started to drop hints, but then I'd get scared and then I wouldn't want to talk about it for a while. And then I'd send you pictures of rings and then I didn't want to talk about it for a while. (laughs) Well, we we were apart for a long time. And Mm -hmm. then you lived in Indianapolis, Mm -hmm. which is a great mid-sized town, Mm -hmm. and invited me to move in with you. And the first night I was there, you looked at me, panicked, and you said, I'm really freaked out about this. I don't know if it's going to work. I remember, and you said, do you think you could have told me that before I quit my job and moved up here? <laughs> but then after that, that next morning, I woke up, and I never had a second And neither doubt. did I. During our um, long-distance relationship, when I was in um, southeastern Utah and you were in southern Illinois working on your Ph.D., we met in Memphis, where you're from, and we went to dinner, and I met your parents. And I was so, so nervous, 
so, so nervous. And, you know, your mother is so sweet and she was so wonderful and your sister so welcoming. And I was so intimidated and scared of your dad because here's this professor and wine reviewer and journalist. And I just I was terrified to speak because I, I just was very insecure about that. And so we went to dinner and I do what I do when I'm nervous or really any time and just talked nonstop. And then I had made arrangements with my family to have the room filled with candles and champagne and everything like that. And speaking of dads, I'd asked your dad, an engineer in Southern Illinois, for your hand in marriage. And he really appreciated that kind of old school effort, um, although I would have done it whether he said yes or no. <laughs> but he said, I reckon that's up to her, but it's all right with me. I'm very proud. Out of four daughters, you're the only one that asked. And I know that my father appreciated that. But I remember we stayed at this hotel called the Fourth Quarter, or no, French Quarter. French Quarter. That's no longer there in Memphis. And <laughs> there was um, a piano player in the lounge. And I had said, in a bar, and I had said, well, let's run up. I need to use the restroom. Let's come back down and have a drink and listen to this piano player because it was completely cheesy piano bar music. It was just great. So we run up to the room, and I had to use the restroom so bad that I blew past the flowers, the champagne, the candles, went straight into the bathroom. And when I came out and was washing my hands, I said to you, do you hear Sade playing? Is that piano player that's, that's very strange. And I walked out, and there you were, and I still didn't get what was going on. And then you asked me, and I said, yes. To hear more of our conversations from the StoryCorps mobile tour, go to mpbonline.org. The StoryCorps mobile tour visited Mississippi through a partnership with the Mississippi Humanities Council, the MPB Foundation, and Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The government shutdown is over, and President Trump will finally address the nation from inside the House chamber. Will party leaders settle on a plan for border security? If we make a fair deal, the American people will be proud of their government for proving that we can put country before party. I'm Mary Louise Kelly. Join me for NPR's special coverage of the 2019 State of the Union Address from NPR News. Tonight at 8 on MPB Think Radio. MPB would like to thank Daniel, Coker, Horton, and Bell and the Mississippi Healthcare Alliance for underwriting MPB programs. Your company can be an underwriter, too. Find out more. Go to mpbonline.org slash underwriting to find out how. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi ranks third in the country for the number of adults without teeth. And experts say poor oral health can lead to many other health-related problems, such as diabetes and obesity. The University of Mississippi Medical Center is trying to help Mississippians who don't have access to dental care. It's part of their Dental Mission Week. Dental students and faculty are also seeing hundreds of public school students as part of Give Kids a Smile Day. Dr. David Felton is dean of the UMMC School of Dentistry. He talks with MPB's Jasmine Ellis about the major concerns concerns he sees. One of the issues that we know uh, relative to having poor health in your mouth is that it's directly related to poor systemic health. Uh, periodontal disease, which is diseases of the gums, 
uh, inflammation of the mouth, uh, abscesses of the teeth, things like that can can contribute to diabetes, obesity, uh, coronary artery disease, a whole host of systemic diseases. So having good oral health is really key to that. The other issue related to Mississippi is how many patients we have that have no teeth. Uh, For example, of the patients that we're treating here today, of the 23 patients we're treating here today, uh, most of them have been without teeth from anywhere from 2 to 40 years, and some of them have been without dentures for up to 10 years. So they're just eating with their, their gums. So if you think about what your diet would consist of, if you have no teeth, no replacement teeth to chew your food, it's a very soft, very carbohydrate-rich diet, which contributes to obesity and diabetes and other things like that. So have, keeping and maintaining your teeth as long as you can in a good condition is really critical to your overall health. So what is the current state of dental health in Mississippi? Uh, If you look at uh, a lot of metrics that are being used, it's really not that good. Uh, We rank number third in the country for the number of adults with no teeth at all. Uh, We rank very poorly relative to a lot of indicators such as childhood tooth decay, um, patients with periodontal disease, things like that. So, it's I mean, we're doing our our darndest to try to improve it because it needs to be improved. Why is it so important to take care of your teeth? Well, again, it's related to your overall health. Uh, one of the things we're trying to do here is is convince our medical colleagues, nursing, physicians, the whole sheet match, that we need to put the mouth back in the body. Because if you think about the last time you went to your physician, they probably looked at your throat. They didn't see anything between your lips and your throat. And they are people that see patients more frequently than the dentist does. We need to be cross-training them to identify what gum disease and tooth decay and oral cancer looks like because they're missing that. Is there anything that I have not asked you that you would like to add? Just about Dental Mission Week in general. We started this three years ago as an outcropping of our service learning week, which most schools, uh, dental schools do, and a lot of other uh, healthcare schools do as well. But our students were really complaining that they weren't doing any service. They were just going, sitting in class, and then observing and things like that. So we changed the paradigm to where we provide a full week of free dental care for people in the well, from the state. We've got people here for, that drive two or three hours to get here to receive free dental care this week. So we're real excited about it. Last year we did a little over a million dollars in uncompensated care. This year uh, we've already scheduled 1,400 patients, plus we've got another almost 500 kids here today for Gift Kids a Smile, so we're just, we're going to be busy. UMMC School of Dentistry Dean, Dr. David Felton. Jared Akers is a student at the dental school and a volunteer during Give Kids a Smile Day. He has some advice for people who may not have the best track record taking care of their teeth. They can just make sure that they're brushing twice a day using proper technique. A lot of people actually use, um, they don't even realize it, but they're, they think they're just brushing their teeth and that's good enough. But there's actually proper technique to it that shows, has been shown to do the best uh, removal of bacteria. And they can floss at least once a day. Use fluoride. There's parts of the state that still don't have fluoridated water. Fluoridation in the water is one of the most effective public health measures that they can do. It costs the average citizen, I think, 25 cents a year, if that, to be able to provide fluoridated water in your ta- from your taxes. And it, it strengthens the enamel. It replaces um, the enamel is made of hydroxyapatite. When you have fluoride, it creates fluoroapatite, which is stronger and it protects the tooth better from other surfaces. You mentioned there's a proper way to brush your teeth, and you said most people don't know what that proper way is. Um, What is the proper way to brush your teeth? So the proper technique would be something called the modified bass technique, and you can probably find a YouTube video, but basically you want to angle the brush at 45 degrees towards the gums, 
most people, they, when they brush, they um, either are causing too much trauma to their gums that cause recession and attachment loss, um, or they are just brushing the, the, the front six teeth and not getting the back teeth, which teeth, the different teeth have different functions. So the front teeth are made to cut into food and bite into it and cut it off, whereas the back teeth are made to actually chew it up. And so we're, we're taught, you know, hammers and scissors. So the front teeth are your scissors and the back teeth are your hammers. Once you lose the hammers, those front teeth aren't designed to be able to chew food. They're just designed to cut. So you're really putting too much force on them when you lose those back teeth. So um, just making sure you're brushing your back teeth also. And, and it's really hard area for people to get. And that's you typically see a lot of plaque and bacteria there and cavities. So it's important that people make sure they're brushing all their teeth and all surfaces of their teeth, not just the front part, but also on the tongue side and the part where they meet together. UMMC dental student Jared Akers with MPB's Jasmine Ellis. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9, it's Money Talks. Then at 10, it's In Legal Terms. And at 11, stay tuned for Relatively Speaking from Southern Remedy. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org by downloading the MPB Public Media app from the Apple or Google Play stores or by subscribing to Mississippi Edition in your favorite podcasting app. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi Edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education with 100% online master's or specialist degrees in fields like teaching, leadership, higher education, and more. More information at Rebel.